Welcome to Ladies in the Lead, and I'm your host, Joan Garner. Hey, this week we are kicking off an exciting podcast with someone I think all of you will at least have known by name. If you don't know her in person, you'll at least have known the family. Um, it's the Curtin Cattle Company, and it's Miss Brooklyn Curtin, a rock star as far as elite show heifers and animals, but it's just so fun to get to talk to her one-on-one and to really hear from her the little things that she sees as her edge, how their family has taken it to a new level, and really the level of commitment that she gives back to the barn, how her and her siblings, Tanner and Sloan, have really taken it and they really make it their own. I was excited to talk to her and so excited, in fact, that I didn't notice that my computer was about ready to die. And after we got all the way done with the first recording, it crashed. And so I just want to put out a special thank you to Brooklyn because we recorded this twice. And you'll hear me allude to that in the podcast. And I appreciate her patience in doing it twice. Um, I hope you enjoy what she has to say. She's got dreams to keep going, to get that level up so that they can turn around and sell all those best ones right back into other people's herds. She's going to graduate early from Iowa State. She's going to start student teaching soon, and West Branch is going to be lucky to have her for a few weeks here in the spring. I can't thank her enough for being on the podcast and sharing with us her experience of being a lady in the lead. So enjoy this week's episode, Miss Brooklyn Curtin. Ladies in the lead, this is Joe Garner, and I'm with Brooklyn Curtin today. We're in Oxford. Take two. Okay, I'm just going to be honest with everybody. Sometimes the first, it's like, my computer... Maybe I doesn't always work, it's okay. It didn't die, and I just want to just summarize the last episode that we recorded. It was A, fantastic, very authentic, and had great insight into it, and I feel terrible that we have to do that. We're getting... Not that we're doing this again, because I get to talk to you for another few minutes, Yeah. but that I screwed it up. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. so, so sorry. So for those of you who um, don't know, Brooklyn is a senior at Iowa State University majoring in... Ag anim- education. Ag education. Is ag education in the education department or agriculture? So it's in the agriculture department. We're technically mm-hmm. ag communications with a teacher certificate. Okay. So basically, we could have went the communications option or the teacher option, and I went with the teacher option. So you know how to make good bulletin boards and do slide projectors and how to save audio files on Macs, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we didn't do. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, good for you. And you're going to be student teaching at? Uh, West Branch High School in, from January to May. So when you get a sign like that, do you, like, do they say, okay, Brooklyn, here's, like, four picks, or because you're ag, you have to, like, it's... So I've been, like, I've always been, like, pretty close to my advisor, like, got along with him well, and I kind of told him, like, hey, I want to be around home. I gave him a list of schools. He said, this one isn't going to work, so why don't you try this one? And we kind of just worked together to figure it out so I could be locally as well as, like, Mm -hmm. somewhere I enjoyed and I wanted to go somewhere that was maybe not, like, 100% 100% plant-based, but it was like a livestock mix as well mm-hmm. in the FFA chapter. Yeah, because some FFA chapters are more just... Um, like plant-soil-based. Yeah. 
and not like a ton of like livestock and those emphasis but I feel like a teacher that I'll be with has a little bit of livestock background to go with like you were active in FFA growing up right mm-hmm. which chapter were you in the Williamsburg yeah. Uh, j- chapter, yeah. So what was one of your things you did like at a national level like what did, when you went for contests, wise or regional? Mm-hmm. I honestly didn't do a ton of contests. So kind of the reason why I wanted to teach was because I maybe did not have the best high school ag teacher and did not give me the best opportunities to go with what I enjoyed and what I liked. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of like took it as, oh, if I can give kids opportunities that maybe I didn't get or make sure kids are active in things that they really truly enjoy and have a passion in because I feel like he was really like soils plant-based or like yeah I have a little bit of interest in it I'll learn about it like I'll do a little bit of contest in it but it wasn't ever something I was going to really excel in so I was like eh, I don't really want to do that like I'll do it at the county level and stuff like that but I did never wanted to like go national state level in it so I felt like it was something that I didn't really get all the aspects of, of it yeah. that I could have. Well, and let's be honest. I mean, you're really involved in your junior associations. Mm-hmm. So you were doing a lot of those kind of extras or contest things at that level, yeah, right? Yeah, so, like, so in, in high school, I was on the key national junior board. So I was, like, always gone for that, going to shows, helping with that. I got a gist of, like, being a leader and having leadership roles mm-hmm. and kind of had to run a national show because I was the president. So I kind of had more lead and control than most kids did and I was a big big part of the IJBBA uh, board mm-hmm. when I was from middle school to high school and my last couple of years I was the president and I got the um, sportsmanship award so that was something big and I feel like I gained more from those experiences than I ever gained from FFA. How would you say like being First of all, how do you get to that level? How do you get to be mm-hmm. on the key national board or the Iowa Junior Beef so Association like, board? Like, how do you jump into that? And Because people, I mean, I'm, there's everybody's like, how do I do that? Yeah, so the IJBBA board, you get in contact with someone, an advisor or a member that's holding a leadership position. You say, hey, I want to get involved. Give me your email, your phone number. you got to be over 14 years old. You get involved you go to the meetings you definitely have to speak up you can't just be a church mouse in it or you won't ever get where you want to be mm-hmm. and then the national junior board I always those kids were always my mentors when I started showing at the national level and so I kind of always looked up to them and then Crystal Dunklau really pushed me to join the keyboard she was like it's a good one to be involved with it's very kid oriented like I think you'd be good at it and she was like just try to apply and see how you like it and Go from there. And go from there. And they yeah. try hard on those national boards to, like, you get voted in, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, yeah. It's not, it's it's an election, mm-hmm. basically, right? And, but yeah. they really try to make it inclusive so not everybody just from Iowa is on the board or everybody. It's, yeah, we it's went a to really a, lot, a nationwide view, right? Like, only so many kids from each state or region can get on at the same time. And we went through an election base or we went to a couple meetings when we were junior nationals that year and we kind of had to voice our opinion and our uh, look on the industry and kind of kids just picked us for who we are and what they wanted on the board. I'm going to ask you a question about the key industry because a lot of people will say anybody can be a key Mm -hmm. because the percentage we know has really dropped for allowing Mm -hmm. that. How do you see that as a benefit? Being a person who's been on the keyboard. So it's a benefit I would say because you can show your animal multiple times when you go to a show like Mm -hmm. typically if you're a maintainer, you're a low key. Yeah. And so you can share your calf twice. Or if you're like you always end up 
you can more than likely within the main key industry be a low key in some way. So it's kind of nice for kids who can get the extra show experience that they might not mm-hmm. get later on. They can take their calf and show multiple times instead of taking multiple calves and expanding the work. They can show that one calf multiple times. Um, I also feel like like it was slowing down for a while, and I feel like it kind of helped picked up numbers and bring back some interest. Some like more of the purebred breeders will be hard on it and say like, "Hey, anything can be a key. Mm-hmm. Like, what's it matter? Like, why would you want to show keys?" Yeah. You could be it's like a crossbreed. Basically Angus and show as a key, like <laughs> and almost so, Yeah. Yeah, Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just like some people hate on it, but it's a good opportunity for kids who maybe can't um like get involved in the big breeds and need a breed that's more like diversity and yeah. has lots of different aspects. Yeah, that's cool. I think you know the key division at the state fair level for I mean, mm-hmm. look at the steer division. Yeah, it's, it's really tough. tough. Yeah. I, it's so funny because we were talking about the heifer divisions being really tough, like the Simitals, mm-hmm. the Angus, and then you look at the flip side because if the production aspects of those breeds, then the steer side, um, like this, the Angus steers, is growing. If yeah. it's not, it's not because obviously producers are keeping bulls and whatever. I think on the key side, the steer thing is mm-hmm. where it's at. Yeah, it's like, crazy how much like they're more club calf oriented, and I feel like when I started showing, that was a big aspect. Like, you go to shows, mains and keys are winning every show. Yeah. Now you go to shows, Angus and Simital are winning every show. So it's just a flip in the industry. Like people have kind of hit home with the pure red cattle, and that's something that they mm-hmm. have chose to do. And I feel like every breed has their own meaning, and they go mm-hmm. back to something different and. Keys is just kind of seem to be like steer. It's a good steer raising mm-hmm. base, and that's yeah, what it's the nice to have that niche, you know. Okay, have you seen the nineteen eighties, nineties keys? Yeah, the full bloods. Yeah. <laughs> okay, those just warm my little heart because you could limbo underneath of them, you know. Yeah, and that's when I was showing, and I remember the state for a champion that year. 1980s. Okay, I know. Roll your eyes. You weren't like, what decade was that? Okay, but white. With the black tips, mm-hmm. you know, and it was all about height and yeah. all about the tallest one. And nope. The hardest bodied one. <laughs> no hair. I mean, yeah. we were just starting to get into hair, that kind of thing. And I think, oh my gosh, we sh- shouldn't we have a throwback sometime where you show a styled calf just like your parents show? <laughs> yeah. That'd be funny. You guys would be yeah. like mortified. You'd have red and white scimitol steers and heifers. We'd have keys mm-hmm. that were actual white. We'd have big, thick neck. Charlays. Yeah, it'd be different, that's for sure. (laughs) Just add that into next time you go on the keyboard, you just say, Okay, I talked with Joe and she's got this little suggestion. See how that goes, right? They'll be like, Oh, no, No, thank thank you. you. I know. So you're one of three in the Curtain Mm -hmm. Cattle Company here, uh, children, anyways. Yeah. Started by your mom and dad. Mm -hmm. And tell us how you guys got started with cows. So it was kind of dad was involved in the livestock industry growing up and he moved. They grew up in the Decorah Walk-On area, and then he moved down to Cedar Rapids, and he just, like, slowly started getting more cows after that and started building the herd, and we had them when us kids were younger, but we probably weren't as involved as we are now, and then slowly, by the time I was eight, we got a couple show heifers, and I started showing, and it expanded from there. Yeah. I was saying earlier, I said, you just had your production sale. It was Mm. the first time you had it online. Normally, you did private treaty, right? How was that different for you this year? Like, did you like it? Is um, it just 
getting it's just a different way to it's a different atmosphere that's for sure it's a lot of extra work put in that we maybe didn't go through i feel like private treaty we had sold them right off the bat right away to families and customers and we were breaking them getting them show broke maybe taking them to a show for those customers and getting them sent to their homes where these cattle were all show broke they were all pictured they were washed they were clipped multiple times they were fed like, they were just, had a lot of work and time put into them, whereas, like, maybe before we didn't have to do all those extras, and I feel like the sale maybe didn't go, like, it wasn't bad by any means. No, no, no. We sold everything, yeah. it was mm -hmm. good, but. Well, I know um, advantages to online sales is obviously people from all over can mm -hmm. see. See them, yeah. The disadvantages to online sales is, like you said, maybe for the people who own the cattle, you got to keep them longer. You're going to do more. I mean, it's the little things, though, that make the yeah. difference. Those videos make the difference. Yeah. Um, the pictures make a difference. So, I know. And then you have a bull sale coming up? Or you guys sell yeah, private Yeah, we haven't uh, totally decided what we're doing with the bulls yet. Um, it'll just kind of depend on how they all... We're kind of feeding them right now, starting to break them, see how they turn out. And we're going to go from there just to see if we have much interest. Private treaty we will just do it that way just because it's bulls and they're going to be a little harder to sell than having like mm -hmm. an actual online sale do you do bread like knowns like do you do bread heifers from like your um we you know haven't really sold bread heifers a ton we've sold bread heifers through tie webs or something he has lots of bread heifer sales so we'll take them down to him and let him sell them but we honestly don't sell them like we've mm -hmm. gotten rid of a lot of our club cows but other than that like we've kept a lot of old show heifers stuff like that around Literally, the only time they go is if they're not milking or they're not producing. We always laugh in the industry, you know, like, everybody gets a show heifer, and then they keep yeah. her for a cow, and you're like, and she's hard to breed, or she's yeah. not a good mama because she's too tame, or she has a bag the size of your fist, and you're yeah. like, and it's nice to hear that you do keep them, and you do have them as cows, and they mm -hmm. are producing, and do you have a few favorites that you flush every year? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mom doesn't love flushing because she gets all the bills, but there's probably <laughs> eight of them that we flush every year. Mm -hmm. They're from when they calve till as far as we can go into their breeding, we flush and we flush and we flush, especially yeah. on a few of our Angus cows. They were like big heavy hitters last year. We flush and we flush and we flush. Like we've sold a bunch of flush mates out of our Hadley donor this fall, we had three on our sale. There's one on Willie's sale. We sold one privately. We're going to keep one as bread and known. So there was a lot of them that just kind of, there's two bowls that are really good that we're going to break and see how they turn out. And it was just a flush that turned out really good. But we try to let them have a calf before we flush them. We try not to virgin flush a ton. But there are some of those show heifers where we just know, like, hey, these ones are going to be good moms. Like, we're going to flush them now. Oh, and good. It's fun to see. I When I was looking at your online sale pictures, mm -hmm. it's like the flush mates, you had to actually look at the background to make sure they weren't the same picture. Like, yeah. Like, boom. And, and Burns' and Angus were mm -hmm. similar to that. I was like, oh, my gosh, they're so similar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, like, it was fun to see them. Like, I was like, I think they put the same picture on yeah. you. I mean, you obviously didn't put the same yeah. picture on there. But, yeah, I was like that. So that's mm -hmm. good. Tell me a little bit about being the oldest in this family. What is it like being the oldest and how that affected your show career going through? Mm, it didn't affect my show career a ton. I feel like 
Tanner and I basically grew up and we started showing at the same time, so it was like... Because you're one year apart, right? Yeah, we're one year apart. So we basically did everything together. The only difference is those kids played sports. I didn't play sports, so when they couldn't be there, I would help them pick up the slack, but we Mm -hmm. always have done it, like, kind of... Between me and him, we'd done it together, and Sloan's, like, showed a lot of... She probably got a different view than all of us because she showed a lot of like Charlays and Herfords to begin with because they were trying to keep her away from showing against us older kids and giving her the chance to kind of start and do her own thing. It is kind of hard like when you have three. We had three. We had two and then I kind of said the same thing like Sloan's six years younger than you right? Mm -hmm. So my oldest Austin was six year was eight years older than my youngest and so Mm -hmm. they had one year we were all together and first of all it's expensive to try to get everybody a good calf and you know trying to find your own space Mm -hmm. and trying to find your own cut and you know have their have those experiences so i know that tanner shows goats Mm -hmm. we mentioned you had a goat this year yeah loved it i can tell yeah (laughs) i know i don't know it wasn't bad i would rather just help take care of them than show them yeah and then you said um you had pigs one year yep i had pigs a year and we had sheep a year you've tried it all that's good yeah we've tried it all you know what and now you can say I've tried it all, and I know that I'm in the right industry. Mm-hmm. I'm in the right spot. Yep. Yeah. So we're sitting here at the home farm recording this, but the actual cattle barn is, what, half a mile away, you Yeah, said? it's a half a mile down the road where the the pasture's not there. We have a couple pastures around town, but the cows are all just moved home for the winter, and it's where our show barn is located and where we calve everything out, and there's also a barn in there for the goats. And mm-hmm. Do you guys keep, like, all... So, you have 75 cows, right? So, do you keep all of them and feed them out, too? Or do you sell the cows that you don't keep for, sh- for like, show? Do you sell um, them all privately? Or do you, like, feed, put them in a feed yard and feed them out? Or sell, like, 20 to 30 feeder calves a year, probably. Just kind of depending on what they turn out like. And if they're feeder calves, and we take them down to Roman schoolies feeder um feeder calf sale and that's always been good to us and we take them and get rid of them right away so we don't have to worry about them yeah so you don't keep them around yeah, year no. round no because it's hard i mean we it, don't have a place for everything there's normally about 13 show heifers there's about 13 pens yeah. a lot of them still end up doubled up by the time we have bulls around or mm-hmm. cows around that need extra treatment or customers show cattle around during breeding season it's crazy around here because a lot of our county fair families come and drop their calves and leave them here to get bred so there's just a lots of different things always going on here <laughs> always going on. you have a side business yeah i think it's fun to think that you started what how old were you when you started this business um i started it three years ago so i would have been about 18 18 old enough to file taxes that's good everybody <laughs> knows about that so tell everybody what the business is because i think it's it's one of those things that you had a need mm-hmm. and you and your dad had a conversation and then it turned into a business for you and i love that so tell everybody yeah what it is. so my business is elite therapies magnawave and it's a business that where there's therapeutical waves that are going through, which are magnetic, that are going through livestock. And it's finding the sorest, tensious muscle in the calf or the sheep or the lamb or whatever mm-hmm. you're working on. And it's taking the swelling and it's getting the blood pumping in those certain spots to try to eliminate any swelling or soreness. Yeah, and how many treatments does it usually take to have effectiveness with that? So I tell everyone that, like... I'm not promising any effectiveness no matter what, but I would say I feel like if you don't see something, a little bit of a change after the first treatment, the second treatment, you'll definitely see something. 
if you're going to notice something. Yeah. Like... Oh, that's a good thought. I mean, if, if it's going to be effective, yeah. you're going to notice it after two. Yeah, Otherwise, I would definitely would not say- give up after the first time because yeah. you're not always going to, like... I said earlier, um, Sloan's heifer got hurt, and we used it repeatedly about four times, and we noticed she went from being her limping on her shoulder to walking on it, so that was a big change, and we physically saw the change go through with the magnolia. Mm-hmm. And how, like, do you get, how do you get, people get in touch with you for that? Like, you just contact you on your phone? So, you I have, have a Facebook page where you can message me on Facebook. Um, I have my phone number on the page posted. In multiple different locations, you can call, you can text to sign up an appointment. I feel like a lot of people reach out, they'll call and be like, hey, this is my situation. How should I handle it? What should I do? And we go from there. A lot of people message, like, after a show, I try to post the champions or the people who were successful just to promote their livestock as they're promoting by business. And I'll get a lot of people and say, hey, I've seen so-and-so did good. I think this is something I'm interested in like here's what I got going on what can I do can you help me and then I'll be like hey here's my phone number why don't you call or text me mm-hmm. it's easier to get and it's effective on all the species right it's not yeah. or is it most effective on cattle no it's effective on all species it's first started in the horse industry yeah and then it kind of gained from there from there I think chiropractic is okay, huge I kind of yeah. like tiktok I don't know if you watch tiktok or not but I'll watch like chiropractic on horses in tiktoks mm-hmm. I know I need to do more. I mean, like, people say I'm pretty busy, but sometimes yeah. I have, like, 10 seconds. I can watch these little TikToks. But it's amazing how they can take and, you know, correct the vertebrae in their neck and in their backs. And obviously, we've done it in cattle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I we had a steer we took for acupuncture and tried to do chiropractic on it, too. Is that something in conjunction with chiropractic, or is it something that's totally separate? So, it's something that you can make in conjunction or you can make separate. It kind of just depends on how you look at it. So, like, we get our cattle adjusted all the time to make sure they're in prime showing condition. And so, when we go to that lady, she always says it'll hold better if you magnoive. And that's kind of where we learned about magnoive was from her. So, Mm -hmm. we gained the knowledge from her and kind of took it and ran with it Mm -hmm. and... There's a lot of families, too, that I work on that just use MagnaWave, and that's perfectly fine. You mm-hmm. don't always have to adjust, but we just, if you're putting in the time and the effort and the money to buy these calves and feed these calves and work on these calves and all the supplies, you might as well go the extra mile to be where you need to be. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. I've, you ever had a massage? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think the same thing. Like, you know, when you have a massage, yeah. your muscles feel a lot better, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. I, I guess, you know, it's the same thing for cattle and stuff, and, or animals. It's cool. I think it's just a great a, a great extension of the care and the that 1%. We talk a lot about in the industry of a lot of people do 80%. More do 90 But it's that last 10, 5, 3, 2, 1% mm-hmm. that gets you to the elite status, that yeah. gets you to the next edge of the thing, which leads me to a, a question that I love to ask. Because this season right now, we're calling The Edge. Mm-hmm. And everybody I interview, I ask, what is your edge? What do you think your edge is? Like I said before, I think my edge is more like working hair and focusing on that. Because if you want to be successful at the show, you definitely have to have all your hair grow in the right direction. Make sure your hair is growing. Have your hide stimulated and hydrated. And, like, people part their tail heads all the time. And it's something that we grew up not doing. I always make sure the part's out of the tail head and... That's something I probably get on my siblings more than I should because I'm like, do it the right way or it's going to be stuck that way yes. and I'm going to be frustrated. Yeah. Well, that's good. I think, you know, people that have an edge, 
Mm-hmm. It is some minute detail. It is that little bit of, I don't know, you probably take that for granted, that you're mm-hmm. like, okay, no, we this is this is where I draw the line. Like, this yeah. is it. Like, you can put away the show products without spraying out the cans, or you can yeah. do whatever, but this is the thing. And that, that when you work with a bunch of really people, really high level people those edges all come together and that makes mm-hmm. a big difference and so it's kind of cool to yeah. identify it the podcast is called ladies in the lead she stock shows mm-hmm. and some people don't even know what the word stock show means mm-hmm. when i put it in the title i wanted it to be action mm-hmm. versus just a reflection of what we do i wanted it to uh, instead of being announcing stock show is the four species so if somebody said brooklyn you stock show what would that mean how would you explain that to somebody I don't know. It's a very diverse industry, and it can mean lots of different things, but I feel like stock showing is gaining a worth ethic, becoming humble, knowing how it is to win and lose. You work so hard, and you might stand third in class, and you might win your class, and you never really know, and it gains lots of good life skills, as well as the people you meet is second to none. You meet people from multiple different states and you might see them once a year but you always catch up to them and they're they connect with you and really know um, what you're going through and what you're doing i I love that answer because some people will say well you just show cattle no not really just show cattle or we just show hogs or whatever i love that you see it as an as um the people and i think it is what makes it so Mm -hmm. so special just wanted to take a quick minute to interrupt the podcast to talk about a really special sale that's coming up. It's called Ladies of the Fall Spectacular. And of course, we couldn't have a Ladies in the Lead podcast without talking about Ladies of the Fall. And this is a Angus production sale put on um, based with the Schroeder family out of Clarence, Doug, and Drew put this on, and they partnered now with Sugar Creek Farms for a couple years, Verthman Angus, LaFriend's Cattle, and of course, our very own Erica Chapman, our very own lady in the lead, and Bubba Chapman. The offerings are awesome. I went down and looked at the cattle. They are on point. They are fresh. They are Angus base cattle. So if you're looking to have a presence in the show ring or add some value back into the herd, they have them there. Uh, Sugar Creek brings in some Simital base cattle. Also, there's some key, high percentage keys in there. And Verthman Angus really has had a nice offering, I think, with theirs, bringing in both commercial and Angus. You guys, it's worth checking out. Make sure you look at it online, sconlinesales.com, or go see them in person. The farm, of course, is at 711 Rose Avenue, Clarence, Iowa, at the Shorter Angus Farms. Give them a chance. Go get check it out. Of course, Ladies of the Fall and Ladies in the Lead partnering together. We appreciate their support. Guys, back to the podcast. How you were mentored growing up. Who influenced you the most? Well, obviously my parents have influenced me and helped me get to where I am and gave me all the skills and the products and the calves I needed Mm -hmm. to become where I am today. But I would say the Wise family, like from Willie, it was fitting, feeding, telling me, hey, this one's straight-shouldered. Look at this one so you know for future. This one might not be right out of her hip. Can you tell me what it is? And kind of 
showing me how to break them down and pick them out the way we need to pick them out, which is nice because now I feel like we can go look at his livestock and be like, hey, you see this? Like, is this right what we're seeing? Like, and that kind of was good to connect on a level. His brother, Benny, um, really taught me like showmanship skills and how to be aggressive in the show ring. And I felt like that was something big because I always was like, Billy was more the fitter and helped us feed them, pick them out. But he maybe like wasn't all, didn't always give us the showman, the extra showmanship yeah. tips. Like he told us like this is how you need to set them up and stuff like that. But maybe not to be aggressive and like hug the judge when you have a smaller calf or make the full lap because your calf walks better than other or circle at certain times or stuff like that. That mm-hmm. I kind of gained a little bit of extra from him and someone who has taught me a lot of showmanship skills too is. Kendall Bremer, we started showing for him at the beginning, and he always, it was more of a pressure, because he was always like, if you don't do this, we're going to have consequence, <laughs> we're going to have words, and so I and felt like... some people respond better to that. I yeah, mean, like, you it, know. like, kind of was like, oh god, I really need to do that, like, yeah. <laughs> I need to focus on getting better at this, so then I don't have to listen to the consequences, <laughs> and I gain from it. Hey, I mean, you know, each person has... He probably wouldn't have done it if he didn't think you'd respond to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a parent, yeah, it was I, a good I, I know, like, some one of my kids likes pressure. Mm-hmm. Some people like, you know, to be coached differently, so... And I, think- I always felt like... It wasn't like that I didn't listen to Dad when he told me things, but I felt like any of us kids took it more serious if it came from someone else because we were like, okay, he's not just saying it to get on our nerves or tell us we need to do something <laughs> different, that we really need to change this. I know. What do you think, or do you have a... Th- of time in your mind where you guys cranked it up like took it up to the next level Mm, yeah I would feel like after my first year I kind of showed just okay calves and then Tanner's first year state fair which would have been about four years into showing we cracked the top five at state fair in the breeding heifer show and we had a reserve market heifer at the state fair and that I think we all kind of came to realization that it was time to like take the extra mile and take the extra steps because we were getting closer to the top and we were figuring things out and people knew who we were and it was time to like really like be serious about it if we wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. So the first year when Tanner hits the top five, Mm -hmm. do you feel like there was a little luck in there that you got the right heifer, you got the right time, or was there things that you did that summer that stepped you into that? Like you said, okay, like we did take it more serious or Tanner gave a baseball or, you know, those kind Um, of things. It was like, I don't know, that's... It was so long ago that that summer's so hard to remember, but... It's that moment, you're like, you're like, oh yeah. I feel like, I don't know, anytime you go into a show and you do good, I feel like it's luck. Like, yes, it was a good calf that took a good calf to win the show, but, like, it was luck, too. So, like, Shay Becker, I just interviewed her, mm-hmm. and you were telling me you were good friends with Shay. Yeah. She said that in their barn, they have a saying that says, hard work, work puts you in a place where good luck can find you. Mm-hmm. I bet you if you look back at that summer hard work was yeah. involved you yes. know and it does take a little luck have that it factor that day you know mm-hmm. something is on and that summer was I feel like we really like that summer we really started to work at it and it was the first summer we had someone that really helped us in the barn because us kids were so young and we fought like my Mark Heifer that was reserved bloated all the time so we were fighting her all the time making sure we got her to the weight she needed to be at but was watching that factor, and I feel like it was the year we all started to kind of, like, tie things together and start realizing, like, hey, we need to go the extra mile all the time, and Dad always said, like, if you guys don't want to do it, it's 
Like, if you guys don't want to go to the barn and work, then it's you're missing out. It's not me missing out. It's you guys are the ones missing out and not putting in the effort. And when you get beat, it's because, like you didn't go the extra mile that day. Mm-hmm. I had an interview with Emily Harold, and she said she was coached one time that said, if you're not willing to do it, your competition is. Mm-hmm. And if you're not willing to do it today, your competition is. Yeah. And it that for her was the difference in her mindset of, like your dad saying, you know, hey, it's not, it's not, not up me, to me. Yeah. it's up to you kind of thing, you mm-hmm. know. I think it's a lady in the lead or somebody who's stepping into that or somebody who's growing into that. I think it's cool that you own it, like that you owned the ownership of mm-hmm. taking it to the next level, right? Yeah. Like you said, okay, this is on us, I'm mm-hmm. doing it, like I'm making it, you know, kind of thing. If you had to look back, and you now you're 21, and you're looking back at your eight-year-old self, mm-hmm. what would you give yourself for advice? Um, Knowing what you know now, and you're back then, what would you tell yourself? To not be scared, and to not be shy, and just, like, go out, and, like you said, kind of own it, and just do your own thing. I feel like then I was more of, like, a follower, and just kind of, like, did what other people did, and, like, to do my own thing, and just really own my project. Mm-hmm. And own your passion. Mm-hmm. I think that's the other thing. Um, as I look back from when I started, you know, showing, I distinctly remember a time when I was at the Beef Expo and I was, you know, sophomore in high school and I was sitting there with a girlfriend and I'd skipped a basketball game to come. And back then, you know, my God, nobody skipped a basketball game or whatever. I remember looking around and I said to her, these are my people. This is my place. Mm-hmm. At 16, I just remember that moment. I can tell you the aisle I was in and the straw bale I was sitting on. <laughs> and I'm sure my steer wasn't that good and I'm whatever, but I just remember that feeling of owning it. Mm-hmm. Have you always felt like this was my place and this is where I was meant yeah, to be? Yeah, like some people choose sports. This is what I've chose. I've always loved it. I used to do sports a little bit and mm-hmm. I knew like I enjoyed this way more than I ever enjoyed sports and this was going to be my passion, what I wanted to do. Yeah, I think that's a really great conversation to give yourself you know mm-hmm. just reach out and do more do yeah. or you know don't be afraid mm-hmm. that's kind of thing it's hard though when you're eight nine and ten and yeah. you're still like the, don't you know, know. You're first yeah. of all just trying to figure out if your calf is still you know broke enough mm-hmm. or whatever to do that but that's a really good really good tip project out for me 10 years from now you're gonna have 25 30 cows of your own are you where are you going to be what do you what do you think it looks like in 10 years Um, now you're 31 okay made it through your 20s had a great time let's just say that okay and now we're looking and we're saying like i hope to have cows of my own and stuff and i feel like that time it'll be really production based around here because sun will be done showing we'll all be done showing we can raise everything sell them and I feel like that'll be a good time because none of us kids will be showing, so it'll probably be, like, the prime time of, like, selling because they're not like, oh, we're going to compete against you in the show ring. I'm not buying a cat from you, so yeah. I feel like that'll be a really big change and some will emphasize more on raising cattle to sell. And Do you think you'll always stay in Iowa? Yeah, I don't plan on leaving Iowa. <laughs> That's good. I mean, we talk about that a lot of time, you know, retaining good people in the state. Mm-hmm. We raise them, we educate them, we take it, you know, and then keeping them here, keeping yeah. the opportunity here. Is the opportunity here to support, like here at the farm, to support you and Tanner and if Sloan wants to come back and all of you on the cows? Or you could yeah, you can still like come and go like full time. We'll have our own thing jobs and, then, and things. Yeah. I'd say if anyone, Tanner would stay around like yeah. more full time. But... 
I feel like we'll all do our own thing and still come back and like do it as a family together. That's though. awesome. I love that. That's a great idea. <laughs> Tell me how it's been being seeing Sloan show six years later and watching her come through. Mm, I, feel, I, mean, I always think it's different with brothers and sisters. And you and Tanner are really close and you're close in age. So, yeah. you know, you're at each other. But Sloan is six years younger. So is it hard? Is it easier? Is it fun? Um... I feel like she, it was more, like, natural for her, and she just gained things because she watched us all the time, and she grew up watching a show, and, like, her and mom always came and watched us, and so she was always watching. But mm-hmm. I feel like at times it can be hard, too, because Tanner and I are probably harder on her than we should be because yeah. we're like, you need to do this, and you need to be, like, at this level, and sometimes we don't realize that, like, maybe she hasn't had as much experience as us. Oh, I know. Well, she, I, I say the youngest always has that, like, balance between, they have grown up with it. They've seen mm-hmm. it since they were two, three, you know. I used to take James to all the kids' high school events, you know, and he kind of learned at their end game where to start. Mm-hmm. So he gets a bonus. You know, yeah. he gets to start where we, it took us nine years to mm-hmm. get there. Sloan gets to start and, and, and fall. I mean, not that she's not doing the work, but you know yeah. what I mean, kind of thing. And gets to be a part of that, which makes it, mm-hmm. and it's fun for you. Once you age out to come back and still have that connection. Yeah, and, and there's still, still someone going to be showing for a while because me and Tanner are going to age out about the same time. So it'll be fun to like still be sh- have someone showing for yeah. six more years. So I know you're headed to KC next week, Kansas mm-hmm. City. You have a Scimitol and a... Uh, Ke- High Maine. High Maine. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're showing... And I'm showing neither of them. You're Sloan just... and Tanner are showing. Okay. Sloan will show the semi and Tanner will show the High Maine. And then what are you taking to Louisville? Oh, that's to be determined. Okay. There's still seven heifers in the barn, but I'll probably show since it'll be one of my last junior shows. So You've been to Denver? Going there? We have been to Denver. I showed in Denver a few years back. I've shown Denver a couple times, actually, but we'll more than likely go to Oklahoma City. Oh, go to Oki City instead? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a great... It's a more heifer base, and it's a bigger heifer show than anything, so that's kind of where we have decided to go. Oh, fun. Favorite show you've ever shown at? Mm, Louisville. Yes. Just because I like the atmosphere, and it's laid back, and it's always been a fun show that we don't miss since we've started going. And what year was your first year you went? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Probably 2016, I would say. That's like the year we really started hitting all the national shows. So you, you're telling me you go for the relaxed atmosphere, but you don't go for the shopping? Because oh, I yeah, know we, we all go for the shopping. <laughs> we went one year, and I swear I took... My brother went, and we took my nephew Steer, and I took... My best friend came along, too, and we went shopping. And that... Okay, that shopping is a long day of shopping, yeah. right? My God, she pooped out and left me in the middle of the shopping. I made it all like yeah. seven hours of shopping up and down that thing, you know. By the and time you go so many years, the same things are I know. always there. So you know, okay, I need to go here. I maybe don't need to go here. Yeah, it's kind of like State Fair when you go every year to State Fair. People are like, how do you see it all? And like, well, because some of the same things are always there. You can just mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I don't need to choose. see that again. <laughs> pick and choose. Good. The thing I loved about Louisville was walking down the ramp into the arena. Mm-hmm. You love the relaxed atmosphere. I love going out when in the trailers in the parking lot and seeing how everybody builds their pins. Yeah, it's and- nice because you can just kind of walk around and communicate with everyone and see everyone, but sometimes it's a maze to find people in that. I know. Do you make a big stall out there? and let Do you let the heifers loose or no? Yeah, we build pens for the calves, and we try to... We'll, like, call with different families, and we'll all kind of, like, set up in between the trailers and set up a blowing area and pens to wash at and stuff like that. I know. That's cool. I lo- that's one of my favorite parts is the in-between parts at mm-hmm. the shows. You know, 
everybody rinses and blows in the morning, and then you have that time to just chill, chill, yeah. and and really just have fun with each other. I guess the best memories are made. To me, the best memories are made there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel like I asked you this earlier? We asked you again that you're kind of famous or well known. Just like, do people look at you and go? There's Brooklyn Curtin, or they look at the list and they go, "Oh, curtains are in my class," or like that. Um, I wouldn't say I'm famous by any means. I would say people know who our family is, yes, but I wouldn't say we're famous by any means. I'd feel like I feel like certain people are like, "Oh yeah, like we know the curtains," but then other people are just like, "I've maybe heard of them, but I don't know them." Yeah. What would you say is the best thing about your family um, for people to get to know? That we all just, like, we all kind of do it together and not all of us kids are, like, one kid will have the best calf, but then we all know that that one's the best, so we all work the hard, like work hard on that one and we all go to the ring when that one goes to the ring and we kind of do it together. Celebrate all together. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys buy calves as a group and then kind of assess who gets who? You were saying earlier you always got the wild one because you were the <laughs> oldest. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I just always, like, Tanner's maybe not as patient as I am, so yeah. I just have gotten the wild ones. But I feel like we always bought calves, like, with Willie or through Willie, and him and Dad kind of were, came down to it and made the decision of who Because I have a feeling that when you guys bought calves, it came down to a decision, too, of, like, okay, this is, I mean, because it can come to this mm-hmm. point. Tanner's tall. You're not going to put a short heifer with him, or you're going to match you yeah. guys the way you look, or mm-hmm. you know just what breed you want to be mm-hmm. in. If you have a representation, you're you're showing you're in the keyboard. Obviously, you're probably going to have a key heifer yeah. to you know support that or whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun. I always had the rule that you couldn't name anything until we had it purchased, yeah. <laughs> because my daughter would go into there and be like, "Oh, there's cupcake and little cutie poochie," you know, mm-hmm. and you'd be like, "Oh gosh," you know. Yeah. Do you have a rule like that on buying heifers? Um, we don't real. I don't know. We don't always come up with names. I'd say Sloan names them more than anyone. But um, I feel like there's some heifers we all go and see and we get more connected to than we probably should before we know we can even afford her or buy her. Yeah. The, your favorite animal, you said, was one that you showed your senior year. Mm-hmm. Her name was? Sally. Sally. Yeah. Everybody needs a Sally. Yeah. She was just <laughs> like laid back and low-key and just like... One I could really bond with, and I didn't always have those types of heifers. <laughs> I know. Well, not everyone. I had. I usually got along with everything in the barn, mm-hmm. except for one year we had this steer that was more like a county fair steer. And so, oh my gosh, the thing hated me. I, I mean, it was like 1,500 pounds too by the time we got to this thing yeah. to fair. James at the time was like 12, so he weighed 82 pounds, like wet. <laughs> you know, he could lead this thing all over. The thing would ram me and headbutt me. I don't know what the heck happened with that one thing but it always feels like somebody is your dad the guy in the barn that gets like gives the shots or gets to be the bad guy um, or is he, you guys spread now that as we're getting older us kids kind of have taken part in that yeah. and know like hey this show ever needs a shot let's get it done before dad gets home because he has his own congregate business, so he'll leave at 6.30 after he's fed heifers, and he might not come home till 7.30 yeah. at night. So if we wait by then, then it is cutting into time of turning out or yeah. feeding or supper time. So it's, like, something we'd rather just, like, get done and be done with. So. Yeah. So you all get to be the bad guy or the good yeah. guy, depending on who's doing the what. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how they look at you differently mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I had a vet one time that walked in, and one steer really did not like and I'm like, okay, this is just health papers. This is not yeah. a big deal, you know? But anyways, it always mm-hmm. works out. 
we always wrap up with get to know you questions that mm. are make you more real to everybody. Mm. So first thing I asked you last time was tell me about what music you play in the barn. So tell everybody what you said. Well, I said like in the mornings, probably we were like more laid back and like listen to 90s country or something like that. And then in the afternoon, you would more hear like something pop or something more upbeat because we're more awake and alive. <laughs> I found out a lot of people listen to a lot of rap. Yeah. And thug music, I call it. Thug <laughs> yeah. music. I, do you think the animals respond better to that? I don't know if they know a difference. <laughs> I know. I'm like, do you think they like it? I mean, I don't know. To me, it seems like you should just have this soothing little, like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm a I'm a country girl, so I, I like red dirt country. Do you yeah. listen to that at all? Yeah. Like Texas country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I kind of like that. And then who gets the ox cord in the truck? I said that. <laughs> Nobody. Most, Nobody gets on the phone, yeah. <laughs> So you all have earbuds in, and mm. so you're doing that. Shoes of choice. People want to know, what shoes do you wear to the barn? Waterproof tennis shoes. Water. Okay, and you told me this brand. Say it again. On clouds. On clouds. Okay. Are, do you get them online? Yeah, you can order them online or at, get them at shales or something like that. You don't like wet feet? No, I hate my feet being wet. <laughs> you don't mind your toes being stepped on, but you hate wet feet. Yeah. No, I mean, you. at least you have some uh, protection, right? Yeah. Boots. We grew up, we wore boots. Mm-hmm. I'm a big toe person, like, ugh broken toes not gonna happen i cannot stand it yeah because you always get stepped on mm-hmm. i always tell kids you're gonna get pooped on stepped on licked your hair's gonna get bit at one point you're gonna get kicked mm-hmm. you know but you're gonna have the best time of your life yeah. you know mm-hmm. doing it all we may not look glamorous <laughs> all the time but most of the time we do so you go to the barn homeless look jeans sweatshirt just always shorts and a sweatshirt we kind of just roll on a bed and go in the morning in the morning, yeah. In the afternoon when you're in the cooler, or do you put on... Ava Newton told me she wears actual snow pants in the afternoons when she yeah, rinses and does ice baths. Real, like, we wash and blow in a different compartment of the barn than the cooler, so I feel like we don't... Like, sweatshirt and shorts is it's good enough. adequate enough. Yeah. Very good. Celebrity crush? I don't want to one. You need to get one. <laughs> Everybody... Oh, do you want to know who mine is? So, this one's already taken. Cody Johnson. Do you know who that is? Yeah. Did you see him at Coralville? No, I did not. Okay. He's kind of he's kind of cute. <laughs> I'm just saying, you put him in a pair of Wranglers and it still works for yeah. me. Okay. And George Strait. Yeah. I know he's a little older, but oh my gosh, melt my heart. <laughs> melt my heart. Well, I appreciate so much. You were doing this not once, but twice. For those of you who will tell the story later. But I have watched you grow. I've watched your family grow up. Mm-hmm. We don't really know each other. We haven't known each other. I mean, we've seen each other numerous yeah. times, of course. But I just appreciate you saying yes to sharing your story. Um, I know that it can make a difference to people. Mm-hmm. And I hope somebody hears it and looks at you and knows that you really are doing the work. Like, you're doing what it takes to make it all happen. Yeah. And I can't thank you enough for sharing that with me. Two times today. Yeah. I'm wishing you the best of luck finishing up um, student teaching. Your students are going to be lucky to have you. And hopefully you won't get the question of, are you a student or are you the teacher? (laughs) Yeah, hopefully not. (laughs) You're probably going to get that. 
Thanks for listening, you guys. That was an awesome episode of Ladies in the Lead, and I'm so grateful that you took the time to listen to it. I want to thank Austin Garner for being my audio producer. I'm your host, Joan Garner. I want to encourage you to check out Facebook. I have a Facebook group called Ladies in the Lead, and you're going to want to like and follow along. Of course, you can always check out shestockshows.com to see uh, any updates or if you need to contact me, or you can use my Facebook, Joan Garner. We'd love to have feedback and we'd love to hear from you all. You guys have a great week. We'll see you out on the road.